Hey everyone, welcome back to On Campus with Miss T. I'm your host, Miss T. I'm your co-host, David. And today we are here with my sister, Marisol. Welcome to the show, Marisol. Ooh. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Marisol is joining us all the way from... Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, Hong from Kong, China. Hong Kong. So if it sounds a little weird, that's probably why it's a very long distance to Hong Kong from where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, I'm an English teacher for the Education Bureau here in Hong Kong. That would be like the public school systems in, in the U.S., uh, they call the schools the government schools here, but it's the, the same thing. Um, so I am an English teacher at a public school here in Hong Kong. I've been here three years almost, um, and this is not my first time teaching abroad. I did live in, in Korea for almost five years also, and I've also taught in, in California. Government schools, it's basically the definition of a public school. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, but because it's like paid by the government, so it's the same thing. But, yeah, um, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't realize it had been so long already that you had been in Hong Kong. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> time flies. I've been here almost three years. That's crazy. We need to go visit. <laughs> yes, Before you do. Come back. Hopefully, this is over do. soon, and we can actually go visit. Because yeah. right now we probably can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody's allowed into Hong Kong right now. <laughs> Yeah, I, f I figured. <laughs> yeah, even people who, who live here, who are residents of Hong Kong, they've been stuck abroad for months because oh, they're dang. not allowed to fly in. So, yeah. That's crazy. I, I mean, little by little, them. they're letting people in, but... but um, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we watched this show called um, 90 Day Fiancé before the 90 Days, but mm -hmm. um, they've been doing, like, a self-quarantine, like, special or whatever, and um, okay. one of the ladies, she went to like Ecuador for some reason, and then now she's stuck there, like she can't come back. Yeah, South oh, America actually crazy. locked things down very, I, I was very quickly because I really feel like North and South America reacted to this very slowly. I mean, Europe, I think probably got hit much, well, it's not that, that North and South America didn't hit, didn't get hit um early also but i think europe's healthcare systems the different the different healthcare systems in, in the different european countries are so much better that people were able to go to the doctor as soon as they saw a sign of any sort of illness and that's when they realized right away oh this is this, is this new virus that that has hit us yeah um so but yeah once i mean south america they really locked down there are people that have been stuck in peru for example for a while like they can't leave they've, they've that's crazy they're, they're stuck there so speaking of the virus though i feel like i have to ask this question because everyone's probably wondering it since you are in hong kong right um how far mm -hmm. are you from wuhan which was like where the outbreak started well wuhan is a bit more inland um it's just uh west of shanghai so it's like, i actually uh, have looked that up before and we're 919 kilometers away which is roughly 571 miles 
Damn. So we're not right next to it. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty far. We're not right next to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a bit of a distance. So then how like how quickly did it like start taking effect or how quickly did the government officials in Hong Kong start reacting to that once it started breaking out in Wuhan? Well, here's the thing. That's actually a really good question because we still are not sure about when it actually did, um, when it actually started in in China. Um, and I'm going to be referring to it as mainland China because that's how that's what how we kind of differentiate um, China from Hong Kong because Hong Kong is a special administrative region, semi-autonomous sort of. Um, and so I will refer to it as as mainland China a lot of times. So we're not sure about when it actually started breaking out in mainland China. Um, we're not sure if it was December or November or even earlier than that. But we found out about it in late January because all of a sudden there was a case that presented itself here in, in Hong Kong. There was a man who had been traveling, who had traveled into to Hong Kong, I believe, for the Chinese New Year holiday to visit oh, family okay. here. Mm -hmm. um, and he became very sick and had to be taken to the hospital. Um, and that's when they found out that he was sick with this new illness that they were not, they were not they familiar didn't know what with. It was. Yeah, they just had no idea. And I actually wasn't here in Hong Kong at the time because it was the Chinese New Year holiday. I had actually flown to Europe. So I found out about it when I, be I believe I was in Prague when I found out about it. And my coworkers were messaging me on, on WhatsApp. They were like, oh my God, there's this new virus. and 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 oh and then there was a, a man who who got the virus who was staying in my apartment building oh my god <laughs> not just in my not just in my apartment complex but in my apartment building so like a couple of days after they found out about about the virus um there was there was a news that reached me because of my coworkers that there was a man in my apartment complex so coworkers were um, probably freaking out, like, oh my gosh, Marissa's gonna get infected. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were like, Cor coronavirus lives there. So, <laughs> yeah, they were like, don't go back to your apartment complex. I was like, right, okay. <laughs> well, that's gonna be impossible once I return because where where else do I go? Um, Wait, so was there yeah, anything it, happening in Prague at that time? Like, did anybody there know about it? No, no. I mean, like, I think they they heard they heard about it in the news a little bit. Um, around Europe, but nobody was really too concerned at the mm -hmm. time. I think it didn't really start hitting Europe until like early February. Okay. Yeah, because when I left Europe, it was, I think like February 4th. And I was in Austria at the time I was in Vienna and I was afraid that they were going to be canceling my flight because all of the, the flights were starting to be canceled into mm -hmm. mainland China. So I was like, I really hope that they don't cancel them in Hong Kong too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it was like early February when it really started getting serious. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, over here it was kind of like that too, because I remember I had to go to um, a conference for work. It was like towards the end of February and I was already worried like going to that conference because I was like, there's a lot of people there. I have to make sure to wash my hands and stuff. And I remember people that yeah. were like talking about it and like, like they kept kind of mentioning it, but like in sort of a humorous way, like, ha ha ha, there's a virus, like maybe we should be yeah. careful, but like jokingly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I know it was already kind of around at that time, but 
yeah, for us, it wasn't really until like mid-March when everything started closing. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, I think it was the day before I left Hong Kong to go to Europe. I had heard like in passing, just like a very slight mention, something about there being a, a virus in, in, in Wuhan or something like that. Um, at the time, we were, they were, we were still calling it the Wuhan virus. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody was calling it coronavirus because I don't think we knew that it was a, a, a novel coronavirus. Um, so, yeah, I like there was a very, very slight mention of it. And nobody really thought anything of, about it until there started, you know, until we got more people who, who were sick and were clearly sick with that. that yeah. Virus. Yeah, that's how it was here too. Everyone was just like, oh, whatever. Like, people get sick. Yeah. Who cares? And then slowly, like, parents started being like, um, should we worry about this? And I was like, well, we haven't <laughs> heard <really> anything. <laughs> yeah. And then that last week, right before we closed, like, like every single day, parents kept asking me, like, are you going to be open tomorrow? Are the schools open? Should we still bring our kids tomorrow? And I was like, well, right now we're still open. Right now everything's good. Like, they haven't told us anything. And then, yeah, we closed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing is about Hong Kong is that they they actually have, and I say they because this is my first time experiencing anything like this, right? But the people of Hong Kong have experience with the, this sort of thing because in 2002 and 2003, there was another outbreak of Hong Kong, uh, of Hong Kong, sorry, of coronavirus <laughs> here in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so they learned it was the SARS coronavirus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was a SARS coronavirus and something like 300 people died here in Hong Kong. I think it was like 299, which Mm. I mean, I know that if you look at it compared to like the numbers in the U S you might think, okay, 299, but Hong Kong is smaller than the entire U S. Well, it's, (laughs) it's just one city. That's the thing. Hong Kong is one city. It's not a, it's not an entire country. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and it's, uh, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to minimize, you know, the, the importance of people's deaths. I'm just saying that sometimes people might look at it comparatively and go, oh, it was only 200. You have to compare it to the actual population in Hong Kong only. Yeah. And also, (laughs) you know, anytime that people die, it's not good, but yeah, yeah. yeah, but there were, there were 299 people who died. And so when it hit this time around, people, people flipped and it was an automatic, like, boom, shut down. It was, there was no delay. Um, between the time that they found out that this was an actual thing in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and the time when they just started shutting everything down. I mean, the, the city never went into a lockdown or into a, a quarantine like like in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and in other countries, but they did shut down the schools, which, again, were already closed anyway because the kids were, everybody was on the Chinese New Year holiday. Yeah. Um, but they just, they were like, we're not, we're not coming back to school for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the businesses closed down initially because they didn't know how they were going to react to it until they, they okay, well, we're just going to make everybody work from home. And then, and then the, the time between them not knowing how they were going to react to it to when they decided we're all going to work from, from home, it was like from one, one day to the next. <laughs> there was oh. like very, very little <laughs> delay. Yeah. It wasn't like people were off for a couple of weeks before they found, figured out what to do. It was just like, okay, today we're not working. Maybe later today we're going to start do, working again online from home. Um, okay. So it was just a very 
almost, I want to say, a very organic switch because, you know, people all have the internet now. Yeah. So it wasn't so difficult for them, for us to, to just kind of be like, okay. I mean, obviously we had to figure out the, the technology for that, the Zoom application and all that yeah. stuff. But for us, it was yeah, it, a very rough transition, I want to say, at least for yeah. my work, like from an education standpoint, because I know yeah, from yeah. my company, we, it was like, I think two or three weeks where we just did nothing. And then they were like, okay, we're going to do virtual services. And then we were like, okay, what does that mean for preschool? How do we teach virtually for preschool? And so then they were like, okay, we're figuring that out. And so there was just like constant meetings where they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. But yeah, it took like three weeks before we actually got any sort of direction. And then it was like one week of just like letting parents know and trying to reach out to parents and reconnect with parents and seeing which parents were actually interested in doing it and blah, blah, blah. So it was four weeks probably before we actually started the virtual services. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy to me when I when I think about the differences because and it's not it's not to say that it wasn't difficult for us to figure out the actual Zoom application and all of that stuff, because I, th- I mean, that was new to pretty much everyone. Um, except for the university students, because the university students and professors have been doing that since like November or December because of a lot of the other stuff that's going on here. Mm-hmm. But um, but because we already knew that, that the universities had transitioned into online learning through Zoom, then we were like, okay, so then we just all switched to Zoom. Um, oh, okay. And then, yeah, yeah, so that wasn't, I mean, like we already knew that that's how we were going to go. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, uh, it, I think another thing that really helped is that in Hong Kong, we don't really have any issue with student teacher communications, like outside of school, that sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. in the U S you can't really be texting your students or anything like that. And your yeah. students can't really text you unless there's a very specific app that is used where the parents give permission and everything is being recorded all the time. Um, for of course for the student safety, which I completely understand, but in Hong Kong they they don't really bother with any of that. They say, oh yes, of course you need to communicate with your students. Form a WhatsApp group, and so hmm. I have all of my students on WhatsApp. I have I have made groups for all of my students. All of my classes are on WhatsApp groups on my phone, That's and so crazy. as yeah yeah. So as soon as there's any sort of change, any sort of you know oh we can't do this. What do we do? It's just one message that just goes out to everybody and then everybody's up to speed and everybody has smartphones. So even if they don't have um, a, a good, reliable computer at home, they have their smartphone so they can use Zoom through through their smartphone app. Yeah, it was not like that for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for us, yeah, I know. at least for my program, we use um, a software called Child Plus. So I could send yeah. text messages to them through that. The thing is that, like mm-hmm. you said, it's like a secure like software or whatever, so I can't really access that from home. Yeah. So then we have to use like the mobile version of that, but when we use the mobile version of that, we can't send messages through it. <laughs> right. So then we all had to get Google Voice numbers because they did not want us using our personal numbers. And that's how I've been reaching out to families, like calling them with my Google Voice number, texting them with the Google Voice number, emailing them with my work um, email, obviously. But 
Yeah, so that was like weird. And then most of them don't really have any computers. Some of them don't even have Wi-Fi or anything. So that's been tough for for my program. Yeah, I think that the yeah one of the the major differences also is that in Hong Kong, internet is not as expensive as mm. it is in the U.S. It's it's really seen much more like a utility. I don't. I mean, I don't know what they actually call it a utility. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really seen as something that is necessary everywhere. So it's, it's not as expensive. Even my, my phone service, like if I get data on it, I have like 10 gigs of data on my phone and I pay like $12 per month Damn. for, for the, the 12, the 10 gigs of, oh, it's actually, they upped it 12 gigs of data, um, plus an insane amount of, of calls and, and text messages. So I, you know, I think that's why it's not so, it wasn't so difficult for everybody to just get online and, and do Zoom classes and everything because it's so cheap here. Yeah. Wait, so, I mean, I don't think that you necessarily work with this population, but I, I don't know if you would have information on that or whatever, but I know here with the public school systems, a big issue that they had also was that they didn't know how to, do virtual services or how to properly like offer support to students with special needs mm -hmm. like online well, so I don't know if, if maybe you guys had that figured out too <laughs> yeah they have we do have a send they call it a uh, send so like the the special education students um we call them special education needs um mm -hmm. so we do have send students at our school and we have a send coordinator um, and so they did take the time to figure out how they were going to, how they were going to get the SEND students, the proper support necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, we did have some, some meetings at the school, uh, through zoom also mm -hmm. so that nobody had to go to the school for these meetings Yeah. so that we could learn how to, how to try to differ differentiate the learning for them. Although I think really... <laughs> You know, as much as everybody's trying, the, the the issue has always been that not being in the classroom is is really it really messes with everything because to yeah. to be able to provide to to provide the right support for these sense students, you have to be there. You have to be able to like show them physically. Here's here's what you need to be looking at. Here's what yeah. you need to be reading. You know, there's and that's impossible to do when you're trying to do this online. Do computer, so yeah, yeah, it was kind of fruitless. I mean, of course, we're we're aware that certain students need extra help, but when you've got a class of 38 students, because my my largest class has 38 students in it, mm -hmm. when you have a class of 38 students that are basically the Brady Bunch on a screen, um, it's just it's it's impossible to try to yeah. differentiate learning for for them. And then it's like just one medium yeah like it's yeah. not like visual audio like um mm -hmm. sensory and like all of these different ways of trying to exactly. like engage them it's just one thing <laughs> it's just one screen for everybody and you can't i mean you can't really be like okay you guys look at this other stuff over here and you work you guys work on this while i work with this one student by by myself for like the next two minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it may be yeah. because, you know, we could go into a, into a private, like, um, 
chat, not chat room, but into a private group, just me and like a couple of students. But then that leaves everybody else out and they're they're already not paying attention because they're at home and they're stressed they're they're frustrated they're yeah. they've got their minds on a million and one things and so they just if you're not there if i'm not there to to make sure that they're on it all the time then they're they just completely tune out yeah so it was i mean i have to constantly be calling on students at random like hey student number because they all have numbers right number, and i just call a number at random huh you don't know their names? Oh, of course I know their names, no. but I just call out <laughs> numbers at random. Yeah, I just call out numbers at random because I don't want them to be like, she's picking on me. Yeah. So I just call, uh. I just call on numbers at, at random and I go, okay, I've already called the, the last eight numbers. So now I'm going to start picking from like the, the first 10 numbers. And then now I'm going into the middle or, you know, or, or I switch it around. I go, okay, I've already called a number 13. So now I call a number two and. So it's it's easier for them to to know that I'm not picking on any one specific student. But yeah, like I, I have to constantly be calling on random students to keep them on their toes because otherwise they're not paying attention. They're playing video games because they don't have the cameras on. Yeah, they don't have the cameras on or the, the audio on, their microphones on because we mm-hmm. can't force them to do so because there are concerns about privacy. Um. So yeah we can't force them at first i was like you need to have your cameras on and your and your microphones on and whatever and then all the zoom bombing started and so because of the zoom bombing and all those privacy issues they were like we can't force them to to keep anything on like that so i have no idea if they're even sitting there until (laughs) i call on them (laughs) um i've caught a few of them actually like like I call them like number 22 and number 22 is not answering and has it's no idea. Like I even call them. <laughs> <laughs> number 22. Yeah. I've and I go, okay, on, number um, 22 is not getting credit. On like Instagram and Facebook and stuff where kids have been like just putting like a picture of themselves in front of the camera so that it looks like they're sitting yeah. there. <laughs> have you had that happen? <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't had that happen because like I said, wait, I, I can't even force them to keep their cameras on. And even when I was trying to keep them, when I was trying to get them to keep their cameras on before they told us, oh, we're not allowed to do this anymore, mm-hmm. um, they still wouldn't turn on their cameras because there were privacy concerns. Um, there were already issues. And so they were like, they just weren't comfortable with it, which I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, even if I told them, like, you need to keep your camera on so that I can tell if it's actually you because of the time. The concern for me was, what if there's like some random Zoom bomber pedophile who has infiltrated the le- the lesson, <laughs> which did happen a few times. That's the thing is I had people who showed up and they labeled themselves number 12, right? Like they what? labeled themselves in the way, because I have a very specific way, a very, a very clear format that I have for them to follow when it comes to labeling themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't just give me their names, but they give me like this entire code. Yeah. Um, and so these Zoom bombers went into my lessons. They they saw the pattern of the code, and they just they basically kicked out certain students, which I didn't even know that they were able to do. They kicked out yeah. certain students, and then they they added in there with their code. That's so crazy. So yeah, so I kept telling the students, you need to keep your camera on so that I can identify you, so that I can see that it's you. 
and not some random pedophile. And it was a very uncomfortable conversation that I had to have with him because I was like, I don't even understand that, you know, I I don't even know that you understand what the word pedophile means because most of my students are not most of my students, but all of my students are English language learners. Mm -hmm. And so I had to have the conversation with, with them, which was super uncomfortable. I said, do you know what a pedophile is? And one of them knew. And it, in both of my classes, it was like one student who, who knew. And they're like, yes, mm-hmm. we know. I said, what is a pedophile? And they kind of explained it lightly. Yeah, I I thought, yeah so this is it. a person. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, and I, fortunately, my students are high schoolers and not like elementary schoolers because that yeah. would have been, I don't think I could have had that conversation with them. Yeah. I would have just been like, well, this is a very dangerous person who likes to harm children, you know, yeah. but, but I had the students explain it lightly uh i said yes so what if one of these people is a pedophile and i can't tell that this person is there and so then this person is is watching not just not me i don't care if this person is watching me because what's so interesting about my apartment what like they can't see anything in my apartment because behind me it's just a a white door there's nothing in my apartment that they can see that's of any interest um Mm -hmm. but if they're looking at you then that's just creepy so I had told them, I need you to keep your camera on so that I can identify you so that I can make sure that it's you and not some random pedophile. And so they understood that they really, really did. And, and they did keep their cameras on for a couple of days, like when we were doing the lessons. And then after that, they just, they just were like, no, it's, this is uncomfortable. We don't want to keep our cameras on. Yeah. Um, so we had to figure that all out. That's security so crazy. Wise. That's so scary. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah, I actually got one of them on on a screenshot on my computer because the, oh, yeah, the last time that, that I got, yeah, it was really creepy because there were like five like five of them that day. But the first time that it happened, I had like a hundred people in my Zoom group. I was like, who are all these people? I only have thirty eight students. Who are all these other people? <laughs> oh um, and so I ended that meeting right away when I started seeing the numbers climb up in my yeah. my participants. Um, I was like, okay, I don't know who any of these people are, so I'm going to end the meeting right now. And the last time I had like five extra people in there who I had no idea who they were. And then they started to try to take over the audio and they were making all sorts of really um, inappropriate comments and and, um, trying to display inappropriate words and and phrases. But I ended the meeting right away. So, yeah, it's it's been a challenge. (laughs) It's been a challenge. What is it? It's easy to hack Zoom, I'm guessing, or I don't get I, it. I don't know how easy it is, but these people are hackers, so I'm guessing they're very good at what they do. So I'm thinking it's super easy. Yeah, it's probably easy I'm to have so easy. many people yeah. to have it happen. Yeah, I mean, I assume if they if somebody leaked the, the link for the Zoom meetings, then that's how they all were just able to get in. But I don't know if anybody in my in my classes actually leaked the link, or if somebody will, is is able to hack into their communication <laughs> systems and then get the link from there. I don't know. I have no idea. Or they could no have hacked clue. like WhatsApp and seen your communication with your students or something. Who knows? I I don't think it's very easy to hack into WhatsApp. I think WhatsApp has really really good um, security systems. But if any of them happen to send it to somebody else in any other way, then that may may have been how they got that link. That's crazy. Yep. 
Well, another thing I wanted to ask you, because like, I don't know, I, I hear kind of like when you talk about it, but I've never actually asked you this question, right? But it sounds like it's pretty different. What are the differences between how the school system works in Hong Kong and what you've experienced when you worked in California? Regarding just in general, like in general life or when it comes to the virus response? No, just in general. Yeah. Uh, well, in general, I mean, they take teaching seriously here, teaching and learning a lot more seriously here. So a student in Hong Kong is a student. Like that is his or her um, or they, uh, their main identity as a person. <laughs> so they're not a boy or they're not a girl. I mean, obviously they are, but their identity is very tied into being a student. So their entire life re revolves around that student's identity. Um, so, and is that the same, like for teachers? teachers? Yeah. Same with teachers or teacher. And so your life is teaching, teaching. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, that, that's one of the drawbacks from, from having all my students on WhatsApp is that they text me at all sorts of crazy hours in the night. And I've actually had, to have had this conversation with a student. Like, look, don't text me at like 8 p.m. <laughs> because I used to get I used to get text messages at like three o'clock in the morning. We're like, Miss Tanya, what is a uh, uh, I have a question about the homework. I'm like, why are you awake? <laughs> why are you calling me at texting me at three o'clock in the morning? Oh, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> oh my god, I can't forget at three o'clock in the morning. Um, but yeah, so the, it's it's. It's very much about you are a student or you are a teacher and that is your life. Um, it's not as bad as when I was in Korea, though, because in Korea they would wake up at like five o'clock in the morning and they were doing lessons before school at the private uh, academies. They called them hagwons there. Mm -hmm. So that's before their public school. And then they would have their, their regular school day and then as soon as they got out of there they would go to more lessons it's, it's like the the equivalent of like Kumon or Sylvan Learning Center which I think Kumon is Korean also Jeez. but the uh, Sylvan Learning Center that sort of thing mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah so they but they would go to school all the way until like midnight in Korea here they ha they're not quite as hardcore mm -hmm. not quite as hardcore about it they do go to to their after school lessons also but they're probably out of there by like seven or eight o'clock at night so it's still a long Damn, day but not so as crazy <laughs> mm -hmm. it's still a really long day because they have yeah they have after school tutorial or if, if they're not in in um like sports or anything like that or after school clubs which pretty much all of them are they're all in some sort of after school activity the days that they're not busy with those after school activities, they're doing after school academy lessons. That's so crazy. It's, it's, it's really intense. I really think that if American kids would see how how intense it is here, they'd be like, "Nope, <laughs> count me out." <laughs> Do you guys have um, uh, early childhood education over there? Yes. Yes. So, how do I? I think the way that it works here is almost like the 
charter system in the U.S. where the money is tied to the kids rather than than to the school, which is kind of that's kind of how it works anyway. No matter where you go, if it's a regular public school or a charter school, they always say you know they're taking attendance. How many kids are there so that we can send you the money? But the parents are able to take the money here to whatever they're going to so they have the regular government schools and they have the the they're like religious schools they have like the buddhist schools so christian schools and they have all these other schools uh, that are um that have more of a focus on the arts and that sort of thing and mm -hmm. so they're private schools but they also get some sort of government funding so they get money from the government and they get money from the parents hmm. so Oh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. They do give money for for the kids to go to these early childhood sort of programs. Mm -hmm. But I'm not as well versed in that because I don't work with, with younger students. I work with secondary school students, which is yeah. what we would consider junior high and high school together. Okay. Um, your audio is getting kind of weird again. So um, just oh, okay. we'll kind of wrap it up. Do you have anything that you would like people to know, anything specifically that you want people to understand or that you want people to um, realize or anything like that? Well, you know, the thing is, Hong Kong has actually, you know, to, to bring it back to this whole coronavirus thing, Hong Kong has actually done really well with, with COVID, mainly because they already had the lessons from, from back when, you know, when they dealt with this in 2002 and 2003. And so they already knew the, the, the procedures. They knew that they needed to wear the masks right away, which they've been wearing for a long time anyway. Since, since then, everybody always wears masks whenever they start to feel sick. Mm -hmm. um, or whenever they know that they're going to be around other people who are sick, they always um, They also knew that they needed to bleach everything to, to make sure that everything was spick and span. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that countries like the United States will actually take these lessons and use this in the future if there is, hopefully not, but if there is another another pandemic in the future that affects the United States, I don't know that the United States will actually take any of these lessons and use them. But yeah, I will hope learn so. from this experience. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know that, that this is going to happen, but I would hope that they would actually just try to learn from the lessons that we're telling you guys that Hong Kong has already learned or Korea has already learned in the past or China has already, mainland China has already learned in the past. Um, like you don't have to learn everything the hard way. <laughs> you <Yeah>. don't. You <laughs> can learn from other people's mistakes or other people's hard learned lessons. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that this is what what happened, and this is what we learned, and this is what we know now, and this is what we're doing now. So please just take that. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason to to rebel against that because nobody's trying to push anything onto you other than what is actually going to hopefully save your life, right? Or other people. It's not about, or uh, yeah, or other people's lives because. It's also not all about you. <laughs> yeah. The world doesn't revolve around you, the individual. Please be considerate. Be mm -hmm. considerate of the fact that 
regardless of what you believe in, regardless of, you know, your political leanings or whatever. It's, it's just about helping each other. You know, it's about trying to keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. So that I think would be my, my, my last message to everyone. Look, we're all in this together. We're not all on the same boat because things are not equitable. Things are, you know, certain people are dealing with things that are more difficult than what we're with here. Mm-hmm. But we are all dealing with this virus. So we're all in together. Let's try to be considerate so that people don't die. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Let's make yeah. sure that we don't get more people who die. Yeah. And um, before we let you go, is there anything that you wanted to plug? Like, where can people find you? Or do you have any projects or anything like that coming up that you want people to know about? Well, um, yeah, I actually have a, I mean, like, I think the only way that people could find me would be on Instagram. I have a teacher page. Um, it's at Miss Tenna Travels. Mm-hmm. So it's M-S uh, dot T-E-N-A underscore T-R-A-V-E-L-S um, because that is where I log a lot of my 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 travel pictures, if you will, um, my travel stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also recently I started a, a YouTube page. So they mm-hmm. could also find me there. I believe it's also ms.tena underscore travels. Um, so that that is where people could find me. All right, awesome. And then don't confuse us, right? Mar- She's Miss Tenna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Miss yeah. T. <laughs> and you're... Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so those yes. are not Miss my travels. travels. <laughs> those are Marisol's travels. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All yeah. right, well, thank you so much for being with us today, Marisol, and sharing your information i guess that you have from your experiences and all of that it was it was pretty cool yeah, thanks yeah, for thanks. All of that. yeah thank you for having me yeah of course already hopefully we'll see you again or hear you talk to you at least <laughs> again soon yeah Thank you so much for listening to this episode of On Campus with Miss T. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can check us out on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and CastBox. You can also check out our um, preschool activity videos. Uh, On YouTube. Yeah, Yeah, on YouTube. It's under the same name, On Campus with Miss T, ms.t. You can also check out our Instagram. I do a lot of posts for some like examples of the activities that I post on YouTube on our Instagram. And that's under the same name on campus with Miss T, MS.T. We also have Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and we are now on TikTok. So you can look us up. It's all under the same name on campus with Miss T, MS.T. And yeah, thank you, you so much for listening. So what do you do on TikTok? It's... It's kind of both, I guess. It's like some of the education examples that I put on Instagram, but it's also just kind of some stuff for fun. So if you want to see like just random stuff that happens in our lives or that we do, I guess. The last thing that I posted was a video that we caught on our ring 
a while back, and it was just like a giant spider walking over the ring camera. <laughs> um, Ew. Yeah, that was pretty creepy. It scared me when I first opened it because I didn't know that's what it was. It was just like motion at the door. So I clicked on it, and then all of a sudden I see like little like feet, <laughs> and it was just like bam, big spider. I was like, oh god. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so you can see that if you want to. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's education. <laughs> but yeah, so you can check us out on social media. It's all on campus with Miss T. Or you can check us out on YouTube. Or you can check out the po- podcast on those platforms. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. And hopefully you check us out next week, too, for a new episode. Bye.